Sinners and Saints. Dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alan After Dark. Sinners and Saints, happy Halloween. I hope you're feeling well. I hope you're feeling sexy. I hope you're excited about my favorite holiday. I know some of you are excited about the Halloween episodes being over. And for those of you with that wish, I can say that your wish will come true. Tonight is the last episode of the Halloween series for this year. Well, okay, I guess I'll put that feather in my hat and remember that for next year, huh? But it's probably a no-brainer to most of you why I, an adult gay man, love Halloween so much. It's funny how Halloween actually, I think, turns the norms of society on their head. It's the time when any person can indulge a different side of their personality. You can obviously dress up as something contemporary and trendy in pop culture, but you can also dress up in ways that reflect a different side of you, possibly a darker side of you or a sexier side of you. It's a time where it seems like all of society gives you permission. And let's be honest, we've all seen a lot of straight guys who seem to dress up as women on Halloween, don't we? And nobody judges them too harshly for doing it. It's adding that sense of humor to a holiday meant to indulge the darker side of your personality or whatever side of your personality. I have to laugh a little bit at someone I know very well that surprised me about their view of Halloween. I had noticed that they never seemed to want to participate in anything surrounding the holiday. Out of the blue one day, I just asked her, "Is was there a reason why she didn't like Halloween other than just maybe she didn't like candy or all the effort that people take in dressing up and creating their costumes? And she said that she didn't participate in Halloween events because it was paganism. I just looked at her funny and I just said, but you celebrate Christmas, you go to church on Sundays. And she was like, yeah, so? And I'm like, well, you didn't know those were pagan rituals? And the look on her face, if looks could kill, I would have been lying under a freight train. But we all know that we always kind of connect Halloween with horror. And in keeping with that theme, I do want to talk about the scariest experience I've ever had that falls under the category of paranormal. I have said in the previous episodes that I want to find a logical explanation for things that have happened, but sometimes there isn't an easy explanation. And in the story I'm about to tell, the experience will always stick with me. And I've told only a few friends about what happened to me. And I'm actually hesitant to talk about it even right now on this podcast because I know that there are people that are just going to say that I'm crazy, I suffer from delusion, 
But I'm telling you before we get into this story that I don't suffer from those kinds of illnesses or ailments. This is an experience that happened that I can't explain. You can either accept it for what it is as unexplainable, or you can draw your own conclusions. So with that disclaimer, let's take a trip back in time to the absolutely scariest experience I've had in my life. Once upon a time, in a small Tennessee town, a young man with a broken heart came home to a barrage of I told you so's, and he was forced to live with his parents while he tried to pick himself back up off the ground from his disastrous relationship and piece his life back together. When you start with nothing, you have to begin again somewhere. And it was thanks to my parents that I had at least a roof over my head and food to eat. It wasn't the best environment for me because I did have, I was suffering with a broken heart. I didn't have the support that I wished I'd had from my parents. It was almost like they were gloating that they were right and I was wrong, that they had proved that a gay man could never really find happiness, that it would always end in disaster. So I was suffering through their sort of victory lap in my relationship ending when they should have been looking at how much I was suffering. Now, that does sound bitter, but trust me, I was bitter at the time. While I was living there, the goal was to secure a job to make enough money that I could move out. And finally, that happened. I got a job that was paying me a sufficient amount of money. When I finally reached my limits with the situation, I found a small apartment in the town where I was working and quickly moved there, much to the anger of my mom. But she had no say in that, and my father didn't really argue. So I was back out on my own. I was literally living about five minutes from the office where I worked, and it was um, about 40 minutes from my hometown. So it was the perfect distance away that I could live my life without the peering, gossipy eyes of neighbors and family members that were just busybodies. So I settled in and I was getting back into my groove. I would go out to the clubs on the weekends like I used to do and really dove into that scene and loved it. You know, just making new friends, loving my job and loving living back out on my own. I really wanted that lifestyle that I had at that moment to last forever, even though I really was still just scraping by. You know, those uh, you can get those sort of generic cans of spaghetti that don't even have meatballs, but they taste like some sort of artificial cheese or something. They're, they were like 69 cents a can. And trust me, when you have no money, that can of spaghetti was a lifesaver for many, many weeks in a row. But as things went on, my pay increased a little and I really did love a lot of the people that I worked with. And it, would, it just seemed like I was settling into 
a normal routine, a regular life that I could reestablish myself. And maybe if I wanted, find that special someone to share my life with. I still had dreams and ambitions, but just having a settled life for just a little while felt wonderful. One night, out of the blue, I I can't explain what happened, but I bolted upright in the bed, awake. My apartment, like I said, it was a very small apartment. It was basically called an efficiency apartment, where you have one large room and then a separate room that's your bedroom that connected to a small bathroom. I didn't even have a bathtub. I had a shower. So when I was laying in bed, sleeping, I left the door open that basically I could see from the bed all the way to the front door. That night, when I did bolt upright in bed, panicked, automatically I'm looking toward the threshold of the open door of my bedroom. I was stunned to see a little girl standing there. She was wearing one of those little frilly red dresses with the white fringe, and I was kind of startled. I'm I'm like, little girl, what are you doing here? How did you get into my apartment? And she never said anything. I stood up to go address her closer, even though it was kind of scary. And she somehow bolted away from my sight out of the view from that, from my door. So I, I rush out there and I'm like, well, shit, I obviously am having some kind of sleepwalking episode or something, but I was certain that I saw her. I chalked it up to it just being a dream and went back to bed, went to sleep, and things seemed to go on as normal. As the weeks went by, I began to notice that my utensils, my forks, seemed to be disappearing one at a time. It was quite bewildering. I I didn't know how the hell, what's going on with my utensils, my forks. Of course, when you have, well, my initial landlord, the ones who owned those apartments, they sold to these other people and the new people that ran those apartments that were the landlords. I'll just be honest, they were assholes. They were absolute jerks. The first thing that came to mind when I started noticing the forks missing was that it was them. They were coming into my apartment when I was gone to work or out on the weekends and they were taking my stuff. And I didn't know, I mean, like how how the hell am I gonna prove that they were doing this? But it, it just seemed odd that I would go and get new forks and they would once again disappear. I would always be left with just one fork and it's like they were giving me a hint that I should leave, that they didn't want me there and they were they were messing with me like a bully would. I was talking to my friends that I worked with and I'm just like, I'm so frustrated with these jerks. Why would they be taking my forks? It just didn't make sense. Then one night again, I bolt upright and I see the little girl again, just through the threshold of my bedroom door. She was standing between the kitchen area and my living room. She was between me and the front door. It just felt ominous. It felt like she was a threat, even though it was this little girl. And I'm like, I have to be dreaming this. I have to be having some kind of weird waking dream or something. I would be sitting upright you know, my feet on the floor sitting on the bed. And I'm like, how am I doing this and still seeing this little girl? And I kept telling a couple of the girls that I work with these experiences and it was starting to scare them. Flash forward to one Friday uh, where I worked, 
we had a lot of trucks that made deliveries and also picked up our product and they had to be weighed on large scales. The person who was supposed to work that Saturday to scale in three different trucks couldn't do it and the person that oversaw that department, he came up and asked me if I could just come down and all I had to do was scale, weigh in the trucks and weigh them out. It would be about a couple of hours work mid-morning on a Saturday. And I was like, well, yeah, I can do it. And our scale, that was like our our shipping office and, and, and our receivables office. They were a separate office from the main office where I worked. You know, it was it was just a little bit down the road, the street from where the office was. And and yeah, the the place that I worked, it was an old, old company that had been bought out a couple of times and the office buildings were really, really old and they had their own sort of notorious or creepy history themselves. I just remember down in the uh, the, the weight, the, the area, the office where the scale where it was and I was just sitting there chilling, listening to some music on a radio they had and you know, weighing in and out these trucks and all of a sudden I heard footsteps upstairs where the main offices were for that department and I was like oh the manager has decided to come in and maybe I can go I can go home so I go upstairs just to say hey and see what's going on to my surprise there's no one in the office but I was certain that I heard these footsteps all the way across the floor like if you're in a basement and someone's upstairs it sounded just like that like someone was walking across the floor all the way across that Monday, I was down there just to pick up some things, some files and stuff from that office, and I brought it up to the girls that worked in that department. I said, I had something weird that happened, and one of them, she laughed. She said, did you hear our ghost? And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, usually if you're downstairs, sometimes you'll hear someone walk across the floor upstairs, and you think someone's up here, and they're not. We just call it our ghost. We don't have a name for them, but... They've done it several times. We, each one of us have been downstairs thinking someone's been upstairs and no one be there. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? But it seems like the town that I lived in for this job, it seems like it has a deep history of paranormal activity. It's, a, it's an historical town. It's a small town. It's got an old downtown area, old buildings that have been around since the 19th century and earlier. They just take it, people who, who are native to that town, they just accept it as part of the heritage of the town. Well, those of us who moved there, it was somewhat unsettling. This is the time frame that people started saying that I must be some sort of magnet, some sort of draw to the supernatural or the paranormal. And I just kind of scoffed at that. I'm like, I don't know, even though I've had things throughout my life that happened to me that I couldn't explain. Time kept on going, and there was a couple of more occasions that I saw the little girl at night. But then it took a very notorious turn. One night, it was a cold winter night, I once again bolted upright in the bed, startled. It wasn't the little girl standing from across from the threshold of the bedroom door. It was something different. It was a man that stood so tall that they filled the entire threshold of the door. 
And I named this entity the Phantom, but he wore some kind of, there was some sort of weird, his head didn't look normal. Always silhouetted, you know, in dark. You could never see his face. But you got the sense that almost that he had fangs. I don't know where that comes from, but it felt he was very scary. He was frightening. At least six foot nine, even maybe seven feet tall. And these long arms that extended and almost like claw-like fingers. I was sitting there looking at this thing, standing there looking at me, when suddenly it bolted arms out straight toward me. I'll be honest, I screamed. And when I was able to be more coherent, I realized that I had fallen from the bed to the floor. This thing, this man, this creature that I called the Phantom terrified me. I was absolutely petrified of this thing. In the meantime, while these things were happening, life has to go on. I'm still working. I'm still trying to have fun on the weekends, going to the clubs, partying, sometimes cooking up with guys. While this was going on, one of the women that I worked with, her sister's house had caught on fire and burned to the ground. So while they were rebuilding their house, they moved into the larger apartment that was next to mine. It was just kind of nice to have someone that I knew living next door that I knew wouldn't be a headache or a burden. But one day I was coming home from work and she was out on, we had this amazing large deck that allowed you to, to look out over the city. And it was wonderful out there. Well, she was out there and I think she was feeding some stray cats or something like that. And I always waved and said, hello. This day though, she called out to me and I went over and she said, I've got a question for you. I'm like, you do? She goes, well, let me just say something about what happened the other day. During the time that they were rebuilding their house, she wasn't working her regular job. She was basically focused on making sure her daughter was okay, could deal with the fact that their house had burned to the ground. She was tending to her needs. When the daughter would get out of school, she would have just a short little walk up to the apartments and her mom would always have a snack prepared for her so that the minute she come through the door, it would be waiting for her. Let's call her mom Lisa, my co-worker's sister. We'll call her Lisa. Well, Lisa, on this day, she said the other day that she was getting, she had like 15 minutes before her daughter got home from school and she was getting her snack ready. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw her daughter walk by and she just said, well, you're home a little bit early today, aren't you? And her daughter didn't say anything. And she was like, well, she must be pissed about something or something. You know how teenagers are. She went on with fixing her snack and didn't think much about it. She just thought, well, she'll come back out in a few minutes to get her snack. And then all of a sudden, though, the front door opens and the daughter comes in. And she goes, how did you do that? How did you get past me to go back outside? And the daughter was like, what are you talking about, Mom? I have, I'm just now getting here. And of course, Lisa 
felt chills run through her body because she she knew that there was a girl or someone in the apartment. So in a panic, she sends her daughter back outside and she goes to check the house for this person that was in there. And there was no one. And so she asked me, she says, have you had any kind of weird things like that happen? I told her about the little girl that I had seen several times. While she asked me what did I think it meant, I told her I had no clue what was going on with it. I don't know if it was paranormal, was she a ghost, or were we just crazy, or what was going on. Lisa had told her sister, my co-worker, we'll call her, let's call her Janet, about what happened, and I was talking to Janet, and Janet, out of the blue, says, I have a, a, a friend who's a psychic, why don't you just go talk to her? And I'm like, Janet, that's bullshit. There's no truth in that that stuff. They're all just ambulance chasers. They're they're frauds. And she says, "Oh, she's not. She's not like the others. She's not out here trying to claim that she can solve murders. She just seems to have this connection to things that offers her insight." And I'm like, "I'm just not wanting to do that." And she goes, "Well, how about doing it for me and for Lisa? Just do it." And I'm like, "Well, why won't Lisa do it?" She just says, I think you'd be better, the better person to go do it. And I'm like, well, let me think about it. And I thought that would be enough to hold Janet off, that she would forget about it. Well, a few nights later, I bolt up right in bed, and there this thing stood again, the giant phantom that I called him, standing there, just staring at me, even though I could not see the face. I mean, I'll be honest, I almost pissed the bed. I just about wet the bed. There was just this feeling, this something about this man, this entity that you could just tell was sinister. There was just something very dangerous about him. So being terrified again, I decided I would go talk to this this so-called psychic that Janet had brought up. Well, I kind of laid out the whole story with her, and she said well, she would dwell on it, but she told me to do something. She told me to go get a Ouija board, not use it to communicate, but take it, place the board in the center of the, my apartment, and put the uh, little triangle thing on the board, and just leave it, just leave it there. And you'll see if there's any kind of movement on it. We'll just see what will happen. And like a dumbass, I went and did this. I went and purchased a Ouija board and I put it in the center or what I felt was the very center of my apartment. It was, I think I mentioned that it was winter time. So I went to bed and let me explain something. The nights can be very cold here. And I lived in this small rinky dink apartment that had as many drafts as they had in Vietnam and World War II. So I had this quilt that someone made for me. And if you understand how a quilt looks, the the part that's usually on the top that that people can see is usually a wonderful pattern. Well, the underneath can be just a solid color. Well, when I put that quilt on, that's how I did it, so that the pattern was up uh, so that you could see it, and the solid color was the underneath. Well, I went to bed, and strangely enough, it was the one of the more sounder sleeps that I'd had at that apartment over the past five or six months. The alarm clock the next morning wakes me up and you know everything seems fine. I turn off the alarm. I start to get out of bed when I notice that the quilt 
has been turned the other way so that the solid color is up and the pattern is below. It was perfectly laid across me. I am not a person who moves too much when I sleep. I just knew, I don't know, it just felt like I was being warned again that I was doing something that something wasn't happy about. I always kept it in the back of my mind that perhaps the landlords were even sneaking in at night and trying to screw with me, mess with my mind. It didn't seem possible because if they opened and shut the front door, there was no way I wouldn't hear it because it made too much noise. Now, at the same time, the company I work for is totally collapsing. They're in trouble financially. We are about to go under. So I'm going to have to move anyway in the next few weeks, probably, and try to find a new job again. But from that point of the quilt being turned upside down, I did start sleeping with the light on, the lights on. I once again saw this entity and I saw the little girl one more time that I can remember. Well, that psychic that I had went to visit who told me to do the Ouija board. Oh, by the way, after that first night, I got rid of the Ouija board, okay? No more Ouija board in the center of the apartment. I talked to the psychic again, just to chat, and she said that she, basically her insight said that the little girl was a victim of the larger dangerous man and that the man had killed her using a fork. She was there to warn me and she was taking the forks to try to protect me from this gigantic entity. For some reason, there felt like there was a truth to that story, that this little girl had been killed somewhere, possibly in that apartment or the house that was there at the time of her murder, and that she was trying to warn me. I mean, it does come off like a great plot from a Stephen King novel, doesn't it? He might be still pursuing her. He's angry at her for trying to warn me. But that would be a horrible thing, wouldn't it? If there is an afterlife and the person that murdered you can still stalk and chase you. It just seems very unfair if that was the if that was real and the truth, you know? It wasn't but about two weeks later that I moved out of that apartment. If it was true, you know, I'd been listening to friends who kept saying that I was some sort of magnet for these kinds of experiences. The fear was is that it would, whatever this entity was, would latch, latch onto me and follow me wherever I went. Well, of course, that didn't happen. Since that time, I have never had an experience like that ever again. Thank you for joining me for this Halloween edition of Alan After Dark. I hope you've had some fun. I hope you haven't been too scared. And I hope you're not laughing too much at me. Happy Halloween. We'll see you soon.